four. Blue hymnal number 64, please. Oh, 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 oh,
all stand if you can. For nothing good have I, whereby thy grace to claim. I'll wash my garments white in the blood of Calvary's land. Jesus made it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. Do be seated. Uh, well, it's good to be in the Lord's house today. Glad y'all are here. And uh, we do have quite a few folks out, so look around. Let's lift one another up in prayer. Some are traveling. Some are sick. And, uh, and so uh, some are out ministering to others, and so we just need to lift one another up. Y'all glad it cooled off this morning? I looked at my thermostat on my car. It said uh, 65 degrees out there, so that's kind of a... Nice number if it would stay like that. <laughs> so anyhow, um, we do have, uh, let me encourage you to get a bulletin, have announcements in there, but um, we are going to be going to uh, the Esther play this Saturday, and uh, we'll be leaving at 1130. So if you signed up for that, uh, please do uh, know that we'll be leaving at 1130 from the church here. And uh, so if you have any questions, please do talk to me or Mindy. All right, we're going to receive our morning tithes and offerings if our men will come to receive those. Good opportunity to worship the Lord, not just with our singing, but now with our giving. And uh, Brother Wade, if you'd ask the Lord's blessing, please. Amen.
We're going to turn to 448 now. contest time. Uh, God has said, let my people go. He's commanded it. He said, if uh, they don't go, I'm going to punish them. And if you don't let them go, I'm going to punish you. And, uh, and now uh, he has refused. He's tried to make life difficult. And, uh, and God is getting ready to introduce himself. Because you remember, he said, who is the Lord that I should obey him? And he's getting ready to say, well, let me introduce myself to you. And uh, uh, I want to preach this morning on the topic of what is important. What is important, okay? We're going to talk about uh, what is important here this morning. But in Exodus chapter 7, we see here in this portion of Scripture, let me read it. The Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, uh, See, I've made thee a god to Pharaoh, and Aaron thy brother shall be thy prophet. 
Thou shalt speak all that I command thee, and Aaron thy brother shall speak unto Pharaoh, that he send the children of Israel out of his land. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt. But Pharaoh shall not hearken unto you, that I may lay my hand upon Egypt, and bring forth my armies, and my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great judgments. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I stretch forth mine hand upon Egypt." and bring out the children of Israel from among them. And Moses and Aaron did as the Lord commanded them, so did they. And Moses was fourscore years old, that means eighty years old, and Aaron fourscore and three years old, eighty-three, when they spake unto Pharaoh. And the Lord spake unto Moses and unto Aaron, saying, When Pharaoh shall speak unto you, uh, saying, Show a miracle for you, then ye shall say unto Aaron, Take thy rod and cast it before Pharaoh, and it should become a serpent. And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and did so as the Lord had commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh, and before his servants, and it became a serpent. By the way, how many of y'all would like to have seen that? By the way, how many of y'all would have been just a little panicked if you'd have seen that? Can you imagine? He's asking for a miracle. That just shows you that in his mind, he, it was a legitimate request. If you're really a God, you can do this. Okay, and by the way, God said, I am really a God, so watch this. And uh, the Bible says in, in verse 10, it says, And Moses and Aaron went in unto Pharaoh, and they did so as the Lord commanded. Oh, I already said that. Verse 11, it says, Then Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. Now the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. Okay, theirs was a trick. God was just a miracle. The Bible says, And they cast down every man his rod, and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And he hardened Pharaoh's heart, that he hearkened not unto them, as the Lord had said. By the way, just as cool as it was to, to turn that rod into a snake, it'd be even cooler to take and have that snake swallow up the other snakes, <laughs> wouldn't it? I'm sorry, but just, you know, we'll see who's in charge here. <laughs> Amen. And then the Bible says, And the Lord said unto Moses, Pharaoh's heart is hardened. He refuses to let the people go. Get thee unto Pharaoh in the morning. Lo, he goeth out unto the water, and bring that, uh, and thou shalt stand by the river's brink, uh, against he come, and the rod which was turned to a serpent shalt thou take in thine hand, and thou shalt say unto him, The Lord God of the Hebrews has sent me unto thee, saying, Let my people go, that they may serve me in the wilderness, and behold, hitherto thou wouldest not hear. Get it, what he said there. He said, You're not listening to me, so I'm going to make you listen. Okay? The Bible says, uh, uh, Thus saith the Lord, In this thou shalt know that I am the Lord. Behold, I will smite with the rod that is in thine hand upon the waters which are in the river, and they shall be turned to blood. And the fish that is in the river shall die, and the river shall stink, and the Egyptians shall loathe to drink of the water of the river. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying unto Aaron, Take thy rod, and stretch out thine hand upon the waters of Egypt, upon their streams, and upon their rivers, and upon their ponds, and upon all their pools of water, that they may become blood, and that that there may be blood throughout all the land of Egypt. By the way, not just the, the Nile River, but the whole land of Egypt. The Bible says, both in vessels of wood and in vessels of stone. And Moses and Aaron did so as the Lord commanded. And he lifted up the rod and he smote the waters that were in the river in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants. And all the waters that were in the river were turned to blood. And the fish that was in the river died and the river stank and the Egyptians could not drink of the water of the river. And there was blood throughout all the land of Egypt. 
And the magicians of Egypt did so with their enchantments, and Pharaoh's heart was hardened. Neither did he hearken unto them, as the Lord had said. And Pharaoh turned and went into his house, neither did he set his heart to this also. And all the Egyptians digged round about the river for water to drink, for they could not drink of the water of the river. And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. Father, we love you. We thank you for the privilege to sing your praises here this morning. Father, we thank you that we could worship you with our giving. And Father, now we just pray that we've, we've read your word. We just pray that you would still our minds and our hearts. Help us to understand the text. Father, help us to apply it. Help us to live it. And Father, we just pray for any who are here that do not know you as their Savior. Father, let today be a day of salvation. Father, we do love you. Do help us to know what is important here this morning. And we ask this now in Jesus' precious name. Amen. You know, I, I want you to know that you think about it. We live in a world today that is constantly questioning things. I mean, honestly, we have uh, children today in schools questioning their gender. They're questioning, questioning the roles of men and women in our society. We're questioning what is right and what is wrong. We're questioning... And, 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 and so, if you will, there's always this sense of doubt. And the reason I bring all this up is, is, is uh, a lot of people, their response is, well, that's not important. That's not worth fighting about. That's not important. That's not this. That's not that. And, and so, if you will, it is good for us to know what is important. You know, in Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 1, I'll paraphrase this. You can go and look at it. But in, in, in chapter 7, verses 1 through 4, it talks about the, the day of one's death is better than the day of one's birth. And the Bible says that the, the day of, of, of sorrow, if you will, of mourning, is better than the day of feasting and celebrating, if you will. If you will. And, and so, if you will, we, we live in a world that it just seems like all our values are upside down, and it's hard for us to know what is important. And in this portion of Scripture here, that's what the Lord was showing me as, as I took and I looked at this. He helped to answer that question, what is important? Because there's, two, there's three things I see in this text here that teach us that God is trying to say is important. And the first one is to have confidence. How many of y'all have confidence? <laughs> Good thing I'm preaching about it. <laughs> Uh, I, I will promise you this. I want you to think about this. Look at verse 1, and this is where this message came from. Uh, this is a very difficult portion of Scripture, but God doesn't put anything in his Bible by accident. Now, how many gods are there in this world? There's one God, and yet the Bible says here in verse 1, it says, And the Lord said unto Moses, See, I have made thee a god to Pharaoh. Now, you could take and... And, and misunderstand that, but we talked about uh, in Sunday school class how important it is to go home sometimes and to search the scriptures for yourself and to see if these things are so. And there's at least three times in the Bible where God says, you are a God, you are a God, you are a God. And Jesus even uses it as, a, as an explanation one time because they were offended, saying because he claimed to be the son of God. And he says, listen, even God says, you're gods. And, and so why is it so hard to understand that I'm the son of God? And, and so, now listen, how many of y'all are gods here today? No courageous person here. Did you raise your hand? No. Oh, no itching when I'm talking. <laughs> Sorry about that. 
I'm a God. You know how I know? Because the Bible just said that Moses was a God. And some of you are going, we're getting ready to get into some weird theology here. Can I tell you, have you noticed that it doesn't have capital G God? I am not the God. The Bible says I am a God. And that, if you will, is the, is the word Elohim. Now, when it, when it has the definite article to it, the God, that, that is talking about the Lord, the God. There's only one of those, amen? But he says, I have made unto you, I made unto Pharaoh, you are a God unto him. And, and so you got to say, well, I'm, I'm clearly not a God. And you say, well, wait a minute, he's doing miracles here. And yeah, he did do miracles, but Moses would never take and say, I did that. He's not claiming to be God. But what he said is, he says, I've made him a God to you. Uh, folks, this literally is speaking with confidence. Now, folks, we talked about this last week. Moses, you remember, he st- stutters. And, and he can't talk right, okay? Now, you can imagine when he's getting ready to take and to talk to the king and the most powerful man on earth. How many of y'all think he might be a little intimidated? Uh, can I, uh, uh, if we were going to go knocking doors, how many of y'all wouldn't mind going knocking doors in the poor neighborhood? Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be good? We'll go out here to the apartment building. We go door to door. How many of y'all want to go to the rich neighborhood where the doctors and the lawyers live? And I'll promise you this, that my experience has been people don't mind going to the poor neighborhoods or people that they're on equal footing with, but they would have real trepidation knocking the door of Dr. So-and-so or lawyer so-and-so living in the mansion. Now, praise the Lord if you don't deal with that, but I would tell you, a lot of people do. And I want you to know that's exactly what God is trying to communicate to Moses here. He is saying, I have made a, you a God to him. That, that word really means a magistrate or a ruler. That's what that word means when it's not applied to the God, okay, to God himself, okay? And so, if you will, uh, he's saying this, he says, you have no need to be intimidated when you talk to Pharaoh. Now, everybody just got quiet on me, but I want you to think about this. How many of y'all struggle with confidence? Don't raise your hand. Let's tattle on our neighbors. How many of y'all think your neighbors struggle to speak to people sometimes lack a little bit of confidence? Okay, nobody wants to tattle on their neighbor either, amen? <laughs> I mean, if you all got confidence, we'll just give an invitation. Amen. Folks, get a hold of this. Would it be intimidating if you had to go witness to... Who's the guy in Russia? What's his name? Putin. Putin. How many of you all like to go witness to Putin? By the way, I say, it's no big deal. That lost heathen. I, I wouldn't have any problem with that. He could kill you. You all understand that? I'm just telling you, he's got all this power, he's got all this authority, and God has just taken, he says, go speak to him, I have made him, you a God to him. Meaning this, Moses, when you go talk to him, go talk to him as an equal. You don't have to be intimidated by him, you don't have to be intimidated by him. Now listen, should you show respect? Please take this the right way. Even if you're dealing with somebody below your state, you should show respect. You all understand that? And so if you will, yeah, be respectful, but don't be intimidated. I will promise you this. Nobody wants to say amen on this one. A lot of folks deal with being intimidated by the people that we are called to go and to minister to. 
God is the one that says, have confidence. He says, I have made you a God to Pharaoh. Literally, you are like a king or a magistrate in authority, uh, just like him. Okay, look, if you will, keep your place here. But he, he defines this a little bit better in Exodus chapter 22. Go there, Exodus chapter 22. And look at verse 28. Exodus 22 and verse 28. The Bible says, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. Folks, those are put in what's called uh, apposition, meaning they're put side by side to tell you they're talking about the same thing. Okay. And so he uses, uh, he says, Thou shalt not revile the gods, nor curse the ruler of thy people. So is revile like curse? Yes. And then, if you will, uh, gods is like the ruler of the people. Okay, that's what he's trying to communicate here. All right? And so, if you will, when he talks about gods here, he's not saying that you have the ability to create. You just have your rulers. And I will promise you this. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, one of the descriptions of you is you are kings and priests for the Lord. Amen? And so if you will, we don't have to be intimidated. We can have confidence. We don't have to think somebody's better than us. We can take and say, wait a minute. I am a king. I'm an ambassador. Listen, I, I have a relationship with the Lord, and I have the right to take and to speak up and to say these things. Why is that so important? Well, folks, we live in a world today where people are afraid to give their opinions. And by the way, don't waste people's times by giving your opinion, but can you say, thus saith the Lord? We can take and say, hey, the Bible says this, and the Bible says that, and you, you, you might be teaching this, but no, you need to take and be able to speak up. Go, if you will, to John chapter 10, please, because this uh, uses this same truth, the same principle here. You say, well, that's an Old Testament thing. Well, let's go to the book of John. John chapter 10, look at verse 34. And the Bible says, uh, and Jesus answered them, is, is it not written in your law, I said you're gods? Okay, and so we just read where that was. It's also in Psalm 82, verse 1, if you want to look it up. And uh, uh, at verse 35, he says, if he called them gods unto whom the word of God came, unto whom the word of God came, he's talking about his children, folks. The Bible says in the scripture, cannot be broken, meaning if he said it, it's true. Amen. Verse 36, it says, Say ye of him whom the Father has sanctified and sent into the world, thou blasphemest, because I said, I am the Son of God. See, Jesus didn't have a problem saying, I am the Son of God. You know why? He is the Son of God. And I don't have a problem saying, I have authority and I'm a king and I'm a priest. Why? Because I am a king and a priest, according to the Word of God. It's important for us to be able to have that kind of confidence and authority like speaking like a king. Now, folks, uh, people can abuse this because they can say, well, you don't know who I am, and you treat me with the respect I deserve. Now, he's not talking about that. As a matter of fact, did they treat Jesus Christ like he was a king when he was on the earth? He did not, but folks, you know what he never did? He never stopped knowing he was a king. And the Bible says that he spake with authority. He didn't speak like everybody else. He spake with authority. And the problem is we live in a world today where we've got to be wishy-washy about what we believe. Can I let you know a couple things I believe? God created them male and female. And, and, and listen, you can argue about all the pronouns and everything like that. And we don't have to be ugly. And we don't have to be disrespectful. But we do have to acknowledge this. The Bible says we're created male and female. Have confidence. Why? Because you're a king. 
You're a king. Speak with authority just like Pharaoh would. I promise you, Pharaoh didn't come in here and say, well, gee, I'd really like you to go, but, you know, people would get mad at me. If I... Do you think Pharaoh talked like that? No, Pharaoh, he's like, how dare you come and command me around? I'm the king of the world. And he says, hey, I'm speaking for the king of the world. Moses could come in there, and even though he could not speak, he says, I've made him a god unto Pharaoh. Meaning you can speak to him just like a king. You can have that same confidence, and you can have that same authority. Folks, we're living in a wishy-washy world where even Christians are beginning to slink away and say, well, you're entitled to your opinion. Help me, folks. How many of y'all believe some things are just true and some things are just wrong? And can I tell you, don't worry about your opinions, but if you back them up with Scripture, speak like a king. Have confidence. And the Bible teaches us, I, I believe that very clearly here. Now, he said this also. He says, I've made Aaron... Your prophet to Pharaoh. And I was thinking about that. What does that mean? Well, think about this. Aaron was given to help Moses' infirmities or weaknesses. Now, um, I I will tell you this. Uh, Some of us are better at speaking than others. Some of us are better at singing than others. Some of us are better at a lot of things than others. All right? Some of our wives are better than us than others. I'm just seeing where we stand on all this stuff. Amen. <laughs> with me. Could you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You know why I think it's so hard for us to stand sometimes? And act like the person God has saved us to be, and that's kings and priests. Are you all with me? Are we supposed to have confidence as his children? Why is it so hard for us then to stand up and speak? And folks, the reason is, is because all we can think about is our weaknesses and our infirmities. But also, usually when we do it, we're standing alone. I want you to think about this, uh, but um, if you were to take a class in, in college... Okay, most of us are homeschooled here as far as I know, but if you were to take a class in college, and let's say the the professor gets up and says something that you know not to be true, and so you say, well, they say, well, the earth is uh, 430 million years old. You got to make a decision. Do I stand up and tell him the truth? By the way, how many of y'all believe it's 430? No? So... Maybe y'all believe it's thousands of years. Would y'all be with me? How many of y'all would like to stand up in a class of 400 people with an oppositional professor who is going to ridicule you in front of everybody if you stand up and say, Sir, I don't believe that's true. I believe that's speculation. I believe it's just as legitimate to believe that the earth is 6,000 years old. Okay? Then would, would the professor probably turn on you? Would the other classmates maybe turn on you? But you know what would really help? Is you had the boldness to say it, but maybe if the person next to you stood up and said, Sir, I believe what they believe. And then the next one stood up and said, Sir, I believe what they believe. And, and maybe other people don't even have the ability to take and to speak, but they just stood up. 
Can I tell you the reason that, that, that things are going in our society is we've lost confidence and we've forgotten what God wants us to do and he wants us to speak with authority and not, not well, I don't know how old the earth is. I don't know how the old earth, earth is either, but I know this. I believe 6,000 more and I believe 430 million for a lot of reasons. But the problem is, is we think, well, only the gifted people are going to stand up. God said, I sent, I sent Aaron with you, and he'll be your prophet. Think about this. He's the king, he's the prophet, and I'm sending you both in there. I told you to turn to, to 1 Corinthians 12, did I? Okay. 1 Corinthians 12. Second, uh, yes, 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse 22. The Bible says this. It says, He's talking about the body of Christ, okay? And so we believe that to be the local church. But if you will, let me just say Christians in general for this application, if you will. The Bible says, Yea, much more those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. Help me here. Can I ask, what's the most important part of your body? Your brain. Very good. You know, the brain is the one that thought that, and so that's the first thing that came out of her head. Isn't that something? (laughs) That's true. The brain, heart, what? Your skin, yeah, very good, very good. How many of y'all know this? Your brain can be as important as it want to be, but it don't get anywhere without these. Amen? And probably can't do any work without these. And you can be as important as you want to be, the brain, but it needs all this other stuff, more feeble, less significant, maybe less capable, okay? But you need all of it taken to do the work of God. Please get a hold of me. Some people can speak and some people have great courage and praise the Lord for them. I must say that again. Praise the Lord for those who have courage and confidence. And if you don't have it, hopefully you're listening to the message. (laughs) Because God says, I made Moses as a God to him. He's, He's talking on equal levels with the king of the world right now. And you're his prophet. You're there to minister to his need and to help him to say what he needs to say. Well, folks, please take this the right way. The reason for the lowering of our effectiveness in America is uh, because we don't stand up and speak up and have the confidence. Do you realize that they, they said a number of decades ago, that for men to act like men was toxic to our society and to our families. And you know what's happened to our society and our families? Because men didn't stand up and say, being a man's a good thing. Amen! I got on my desk. If anybody wants to read it, I'll have you to read it. But folks, they took prayer out of school in 1963, okay? And in 1970, 93% of Americans believed in God. 
Anybody want to know what the number is today? 65%. And they assume by 2070 that that number is going to be as low as 35% of people in the United States of America are going to believe in God. That doesn't even mean they're Christians, folks. And why is that? The article is all about this. It's saying that fathers are the ones who are usually responsible for teaching their children morals and ethics and responsibility and that there is a God. And over half our children today are being raised by mothers. Please take this the right way. Praise the Lord for godly mothers. But 80% of single-parent homes, the children are being raised by mom. We need some people who have the confidence enough to say, now I'm, I might make somebody mad here, I'm not trying to, but folks, as far as I'm concerned, the father is the most vital parent. Why? He is there to protect the family. He is there to lead the family. He is to raise the children in the knowledge of God. Amen. Amen. And even in a Baptist church, people are afraid to say amen to something like that. Amen. We need to have the courage of our convictions and some confidence to whereby we can say, you know what? God has given us his word. And if it says that I believe it, I'm going to stand for it. And it'd be nice. Listen now. If even if the ones who aren't so vocal would just stand up and say, I'm with them. I'm with them. Can I say this, folks? Please take this the right way, because I, I, I can preach all day long. You don't have to cheer me. But can I tell you, it's okay to say amen. Because all you're doing is saying, that's true, preach it. And we're living in a society today where churches have become audiences instead of active participants in the exchange of truth. Amen. We need to take and to have confidence. We need to take our part in the body. We need to take and to do the, learn the lesson that God has given here to Moses and to Aaron. And by the way, we just, if we're going to do that, just make sure you're, you're faithful to preach the word. Why? Because the Bible says, my word will not return to me void, but it will accomplish that which I purposed. Amen. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 10 and 11. And so if you will. We need uh, the importance of confidence is we need to speak the word with confidence. Then we need to have confidence in God's plan. You know, uh, look what it says back in our text. Back in our text in Exodus. Exodus chapter 7, look at verse 3. And the Bible says this, it says, And I will harden Pharaoh's heart. Now please take this the right way. Wait a minute, I thought you wanted him to let us go. Yeah. But I have a bigger plan than that. I don't just want to have him let you go. I'm going to show signs and wonders in Egypt. Why? So that people will believe in me. By the way, you know who needed to believe in him as much as anything? The nation of, uh, the nation of Israel. Amen. Folks, please take this right. At this point, they're probably pagan idolaters just like the Egyptians. I mean, they really don't have much of a relationship with God. Now, maybe some individuals do, but as a nation, they certainly don't. I mean, all you got to do is look at the wilderness journeys to know that's true. Amen. 
And, and, and so, if you will, uh, we see here that, uh, that he's saying this. He's saying, I have got a plan because what? Pharaoh is never going to believe. Now, how many of y'all think that's unfair? Think about this for a second. Well, if he hardened Pharaoh's heart, what chance did Pharaoh have? Y'all believe that God's not willing any should perish? And how many of y'all know that he knows the ones that are going to believe in him already? And so, please take this the right way. But he is patient, loving, and kind to those who will be saved. But those who he knows are never going to be saved... The Bible says that he is the potter, and he can take and he can make a vessel for anything he wants to, for a vessel of honor or a vessel of dishonor. Y'all with me? He said, well, it's not fair that he hardened Pharaoh's heart. Yeah, it is. Why? Because he's working a bigger plan so more people might be saved. And please take this the right way, but you remember a guy named Manasseh? Wicked King Manasseh, I believe it's possible, was more wicked than Pharaoh. Why? Because he did all he could to shake his fist at God and, and to hate God and to sacrifice his children. And Listen, Pharaoh's a bad guy. But Manasseh was an exceedingly wicked guy. Amen! And he began working in Manasseh's life. And the Bible says in, in the Second Chronicles, the Bible says he took him among the thorns and when he was in his distress, he lifted up his eyes and he confessed his sin to God. He got saved. Amen. Two wicked men. Why did he wait so long for one of them to get saved? And he didn't wait two seconds for the other one to even worry about getting saved. Can I tell you this? God knows. God knows. God is working his plan. Now, how many of y'all have confidence in that? Get a hold of this. Uh, uh, I got to ask this question. How many of y'all have stopped watching the news? Yeah, <laughs> I gotta be honest with you. I, I have in a in a lot of ways. I I try to keep up enough to know what's going on, but but uh, you, you can go crazy with all the news that's on the TV or any other place. But I I will tell you this that uh, it kind of looks like the world's out of control. Can I ask a question? Who's in control of the world? So how can you say the world's out of control and then say God's in control? Y'all understand? But I'm going to let you know the secret. I'm not trying to preach anything to scare you here. God's in control. He knows what's going on. He knows every single thing. He, he knew it a long time ago. I think we all know that. Uh, get a hold of this. Pharaoh was never going to humble himself before God. And so God said, well, let's just make sure that I use him for a purpose to get more people saved by hardening him. Please take this the right way. I think God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I think the God of the Old Testament is the same God as Jesus Christ in the New Testament. Come on now. Y'all believe that? Y'all confident about that? Well, folks, what is important? It's important to have confidence. Not just... Uh, confidence to speak, but confidence to believe in our God. Amen? I, I believe God's got it going. God's got it all under control. You know, God was going to use this circumstance here to multiply, the Bible says, his signs and wonders, and to judge the land of Egypt. Can I ask you a question? Did the land of Egypt need to be judged? <coughs> Excuse me. Did they? 
Well, wait a minute. Maybe you've forgotten a few things. You're, how many of y'all remember their genocide? Anybody know what genocide means? Genocide means you try to kill an entire race of people. And folks, in, in, in Exodus chapter 1, go there. Go there, real quick. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, look what the Bible says. The Bible says, And Pharaoh charged all his people, saying, Every son that is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. Can I ask you a question? If you kill all the boys, how long can a race exist? One generation. Was he trying to kill the entire nation of Israel? Yes, he was. And folks, can I tell you this? God never forgot that. God never forgot that. God remembered their cruel bondage and how, and how they had been whipped and how they had been turned into slaves. God had never forgot that. God had, God had remember everything that had happened to them. Folks, God remembers all the nations that took advantage of God using them to chasten his people. Meaning what? God has used other nations. And he's used it to chasten his people. Why? Because the Bible says if you be without chastisement, you're none of his. Amen? And, and so if you will, he takes and, and he chastens his own. But the problem is, is the instrument that he uses probably ought to remember that it's God doing it. Meaning what? Go to, go to Isaiah chapter 10, please. Isaiah chapter 10. And he used, if you will, Isaiah chapter 10. He used uh, the nation of Assyria to take and to chasten uh, Israel. Uh, for sake of time, I won't look into that. But notice what the Bible says Assyria's attitude was about it. In verse 5, the Bible says, O Assyrian, the rod of mine anger... and and the staff in their hand is mine indignation. Meaning when they took and they conquered the, the northern ten tribes, that, that was God doing that. God was punishing his people for their wickedness and their idolatry and their sin. And he used Assyria to do it. But the Bible says, notice what it says next. He says, and I will send him against the hypocritical nation and against the people of my wrath while I give him a charge to take the spoil. And to, and to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire in the streets. He said, I'm going to punish them because they've turned their back on me. But then notice what he says their attitude was. He says, Howbeit he meaneth not so. Neither doth his heart think so, but it is in his heart to destroy and to cut off nations, not a few. Meaning he says, he, says, he just thinks it's because he's so great. He thinks it's because he's so powerful and he doesn't realize I've allowed those things in his life because I'm chastening my children. Skip down to verse 12 and the Bible says, Wherefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord hath performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria. You see that? He says, I'm going to punish them. Why? Because they didn't do it for the right reasons or motivation. They did it because they thought they were something. Um, you guys know what Ubermensch means? Fancy word means Superman, Superman, okay? And then they have the undermension or the lower, the, the non-people. Uh, you guys familiar a little bit with German history? You see, the Germans said, we are the master race. And we're going to take and we're going to eliminate the world of the lesser races, of which was the nation of Israel. Come on now. And they said they, they were going to take and destroy the nation of Israel. 
well, get a hold of this for a second here. Why did God let that happen? I've I got to ask this here. I know that we don't teach World War II history in school anymore, but how many of you all know any World War II history? You guys heard of a guy named Hitler? Who did he try to kill? The Jews, right? Why would God let that happen? Well, wait a minute. He said if you turn your back on me, it would happen. Why would he let Germany do it? I don't know. And to be quite honest with you, I don't know that Germany's ever paid for that sin yet. I don't know that they paid for that sin yet. I think they're going to. I think they're going to. My whole point is this. What was God letting happen? Could you go to Ezekiel chapter 37, please? Ezekiel chapter 37. Well, I'm running out of time here. Ezekiel 37. Look at verse 3. And the Bible says, And he said unto me, Son of man, can these bones live? And I answered, O Lord God, thou knowest. He's talking about the valley of dry bones here, which is in the valley of Israel. And they're looking out at a valley just full of dry, dead men's bones. And he asked the question, can these bones live? Can these bones live? And said, Lord, I don't know. You know. Okay, verse, verse 4. Again, he said unto me, prophesy unto these bones, and say unto them, O ye dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord God unto these bones, Behold, I will cause breath to enter into you, and ye shall live. Folks, get a hold of this. He's talking about the nation of Israel being a nation in the promised land again. That's, that's a prophecy right there of that. Amen. And you know how Israel got back into the promised land? There's only one way. And there would have only been one way. Is they were so abused by the Germans in World War II that the nation cried out and said, we got to give them a homeland where they can be safe. And they cried out. And guess what? In, in 1948, Israel became a nation again. Amen. And answer that question, can this, can this nation live again when everybody's tried to wipe them out as a race? Yeah, they can. You know why? Because God's working a bigger plan. God's working a bigger plan. And we need to have confidence as, as his prophets, and we need to have confidence in his plan. But then we also, just real quick, need to believe in not just the importance of confidence and can i can i encourage you please meditate on this it is so important for us to be confident believers i know in whom i believe how many of y'all think you ought to have a no-so salvation amen in confidence and in in the way of salvation and the god of salvation and, and, and i'm just out of time but if you will the importance of that kind of confidence but then the importance of the evidence now what was the evidence he gave to him well the evidence was that he threw a snake down, excuse me, he threw a rod down, it turned into a serpent, turned into a snake. And then the magicians came and they did the same thing. Now, how many of y'all think that would be a little confusing? Okay? The only thing is, is God tried to make a good point of it. The one snake ate the other snakes. All right? That's evidence. Okay? And, uh, and then he took and he said, if you don't let my people go, I'm going to turn the water in Egypt into blood and every fish is going to die and you're not going to be able to drink it. And, and, and just for sake of time, the Bible says, I'm going to do it in, in the streams and in the rivers. I'm going to do it in the pools and the ponds, meaning every I'm going to do it in the in, in the wooden buckets and in the, in the stone buckets. Every drop of water in Egypt is going to turn into blood. 
please take this the right way. Can you imagine if God came and said, I'm going to turn every drop of water in your country into blood, and he did it? How many of y'all, he would have your attention? He would have your attention. Because how long can you go without water, folks? About three days. You'll die after four. How many of y'all know this? You'll die after four days not drinking water. Four days. Now, some of y'all think, well, I don't ever drink water. Dr. Pepper is not water. <laughs> Amen? But let me just say this. That, that's true. After four days, you can die, okay, from not drinking water. Anybody know how long they went? Because the Bible tells you. Seven days. Verse 25 tells you. It says seven days. They went without water. And it, they, excuse me, the water was blood, meaning the only way that they could drink the water was filtered. If you look at verse 24, the Bible says that they dug ditches next to the water. And what that's doing, that's filtering the water through the sand, and then they could take and they could drink it. Y'all see that? And, and, and so, if you will, uh, uh, God gave the evidence, if you will. You know, the sad truth is, though, is the devil has his evidence, too. And Abby didn't ask you this. Is it okay if I talk about your class a little bit? Uh, Abby's taking an industrial science class or something like that. Environmental science class. And to do that, they had to talk a little bit about evolution. Okay? And just for fun, she was saying, they taught us this, and that's nonsense. And they taught us this, and that's nonsense. And they taught us this. And I said, well, honey, if they ever start telling you how the moss turned from white to black in England... Just start laughing. She goes, he taught us that today. <laughs> By the way, folks, all that was debunked as nonsense in the 1950s. Can I ask you a question? And, and I don't want to give you all the, I could, I could tell you all kinds of examples that you don't care. Okay? But can I tell you this? When you're taking a class where they will freely acknowledge, and talk to her, they will freely acknowledge that the evidences they use are debunked. They know they're not true. But the theory's getting better every day. Meaning this, they have faith that the theory's going to be right someday, knowing that the theory is wrong now. Help me now. How many of y'all think maybe we've got better evidence? Folks, all you got to do is look around and, and, and climb to the top of Mount Everest, they literally have fish bones on top of Mount Everest. Amen. I don't know why you climb Mount Everest for fish bones. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> but folks, my Bible describes that and gives me the evidence that I need. And so next time somebody says, well, you don't even believe in science, say, I absolutely believe in science, but I also look to see who's paying for it before I believe it. Amen. Folks, we can take and we can have confidence in a world that is constantly trying to shake our confidence because we have better evidence. Now, I'm out of time, so I, I want to talk about one more thing. Would you go to verse 25? Go back to our text and verse 25. I, I, I really, I'd like to maybe do a few messages on creation science, creation evidence. By the way, can I ask this? How many of y'all have been to the ark? Have you been to the ark in Kentucky? It's Kentucky, right? Um, what's the other, what's the Creation Evidence Museum? How many of y'all have been to that? Can I, can I say this? If you ever have a chance to travel that direction, 
let me encourage you to go. It'll strengthen your faith. It'll encourage you in the things of God. It'll make it so you can have confidence. Hey, I believe the evidence, okay? And so it's important for us to have that. I want you to see this, verse 25. Why does God put certain things in the Bible, okay? The Bible says in verse 25, it says, And seven days were fulfilled after that the Lord had smitten the river. Why seven days? Why not three days? Why not four days? Why not eight days? Why not, I mean, just pick a number. He picked seven days. Folks, think about this. How many of you all know what's coming after this? Frogs and fleas and moraine, death. The sun is going to be darkened, a darkness you can feel. That's dark. Come on. And then the firstborn are all going to die. Come on, not all of them, but you all understand? You, you know what he's doing? He's saying, now guys, I've demonstrated to you that I'm God. And I've told you, let my people go. And folks, for seven days, they got to smell the rotten fish in the Nile. For seven days, they got to open water pots that they thought were purified of water. And when they opened them up, they found out that they were blood. How did he do that? I'll tell you how he did that. He's God. Folks, a minute ago, I asked you, how many of y'all have seen the ark? Folks, he was in building that ark upwards of 120 years. Okay, It's possible that he was building that ark for 120 years. And... By the way, it had a door, okay, and for sake of time, uh, when it came time, they didn't deadbolt it. The Bible says God closed the door and he sealed them in. By the way, that's, that's a miracle. Um, but the Bible says that all the animals and Noah and his family went into that ark and they sat there. The Bible says for seven days. And then at the end of seven days, the fountains of the deep were broken up and the heavens were broken up and it began to rain and everybody around them died. Just like Noah had been saying for 120 years. And by the way, you don't build an ark back then and not everybody knows it. Everybody knew it. And everybody knew why. And they said, there is a God, he's displeased, and the only way for you to be saved is to get on that ark. Amen. And they said, <laughs> you're so stupid. We've never, what is rain? Come on, Mo, Mo, uh, Noah, you're so smart. You, you, you know what rain is? What's rain? I mean, what are you even talking about? You got to remember, everything had been watered with a mist up to that point. They'd never seen rain. And, and, and so they, they laughed and they mocked and they scored. And Noah said, you better get in this ark. And you know what God said? You better let my people go. And I'm going to give you seven days. And then we're going to start dying. Folks, please take this the right way. But it's important to have confidence. It's important to have good evidence. Amen? But can I say this? That seventh day is important too. What do I mean? How many of y'all believe this? Noah knew the day he walked on the ark. 
How many of y'all know the day you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Friend, listen to me. We talked about it this morning. You can fool yourself. You can fool your people around you. Okay? But the most important thing you'll ever do is to know the day you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. And don't just tell me you've always been saved because that's nonsense. And don't, don't tell me, well, I've, I've been a pretty good person. God's going to, that's nonsense. God says there's appointed a day unto men to die. And after this, the judgment. Folks, are you getting it? He left the door open for seven days. He says, when I close this thing, seven days, they got to see that water, and they knew what it meant. They knew God said, let my people go or else. And I got to tell you, there were some thirsty people. They, but have you ever noticed you can't stop thinking about being thirsty once you're thirsty? <laughs> Amen. And, and God said, you better do it or else. Now, I'm not telling you, I'm not trying to scare you into getting saved. But I will tell you this, God's left the door open for you. He's given you some good evidence. Please take this the right way. I'm telling you as confidently as I can, you need to be born again. And friend, if you are, praise God for that. Have confidence and show people the evidence and tell them they must be saved. Amen. That's what that, I think that's what that text says. Amen. But friend, if you're here, Jesus could come today. I wonder, there had to have been people around the ark. I wonder what they thought when they saw that door going up. And folks, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. He could come today. Listen, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, don't worry about the people around you. If you have doubts, if you have fears, why don't you get some confidence? Trust the evidence, trust the Word of God. And let today be a day of salvation. Let's all stand.